0: You're listening to The Loke Show, presented by Smartling. Hi, everyone. Myself myself and Adrian just had an amazing conversation with Martino. We talked about all the amazing career choices he's made and the exciting companies he's worked with and what's happening in Spotify Lock program. I'm sure you're all going to enjoy it.
1: Yes, it, I, I, you know one, one takeaway that I have, and then we'll get into the episode, Gavin, is that you know, he's worked for some incredible companies. And uh, you know they all are content companies or they are tools that enable people to create content. Nice. Um, so I think, I think he's got a really interesting story. Why don't let's, let's jump in. Sounds good. Martino, it's wonderful to have you on the Lok Show. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here. Martino and I, we're both in New York City today and it's a beautiful day here in New York. It's a little bit on the later end though, and in, in Dublin, Gavin, isn't that right?
0: It sure is. It's, it's nine. Uh, it's been a nice day here, too, as well. So I can't complain. But yeah, it's, it's, it's getting on the evening. Martino, you're very welcome. And hello, hello everyone.
1: Martino, tell us a little bit about yourself. We're, we're thrilled to have you on the show.
2: Um, I'm, I'm from Spain originally. Uh, I was born in, in Ourense, which is a city in Galicia, uh, northwestern region of Spain. Uh, right above Portugal. I lived there for most of my life um, until I was 30 with, you know, I lived in different places in, in England, spent some time in Finland, um, lived in Chicago, uh, not no, north of Chicago for a year. Uh, and 11 years ago, I moved to the United States. So it's been a little over oh, 11 years and a half now. I spent my first 10 years of that second um, adventure in the States, in California, in uh, Monterey, in, in the Bay Area. And last year, January 2020, I moved to New York for my job with Spotify. I know, great, great timing to move to New York and start a new job.
1: You know, all I can think of, Martino, is how unbelievable your location resume is. I mean, Grew, grew up in Spain. You said you lived in Australia. You, no, I, no. I lived
2: I live in England. England. I, I spent some time in Finland, traveling around Northern Europe <laughs> at some point in my life where I was looking for answers. Um, and then I lived north of Chicago for a year, came back to Spain, and then California, now New York.
1: Wow. It's just a great set of places to be. Yeah, um, yeah go it, it. certainly, Gavin, who's who's you know, he's also quite the globetrotter in terms of you know, loca- locations lived in the world.
0: I didn't find any answers, M- M- Martino. Did you? Yeah,
2: <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know the the only answer I found was that I had to keep looking. <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was going to say that I I was on the golf course today looking for answers, and I certainly <laughs> didn't find them there. So. <laughs> Well, they're certainly dreamy places. Um, tell me a little bit about what it was like growing up in Spain. I, I I love Spain. I like to to visit often. But what was it like growing up there?
2: Um, I had a very happy childhood, right? Like I think Spain is amazing because uh, we're very social. We do a lot of uh, uh, things in the streets, and and people uh, like to to be close to to each other. Neighborhoods feel like real neighborhoods, right? So. It was like very safe and a lot of fun as a kid. You would have spent a lot of time outside playing sports and, and, and you know, doing all the things that kids are supposed to do, exploring. And there was no concerns about, you know, danger for kids or anything like that. It was it was a different time, right? But um, I think Spain is great for that. Uh, and I think about that often when it comes to raising, raising kids there. Yeah. Um, it, things get a little bit more complicated when you grow up and you are trying to be successful in your professional career. Um, particularly if you don't live in Barcelona or Madrid, I lived in one of the it, it, one of the poorer poorer regions of Spain, which is Galicia, it's, it's an incredible place. But the opportunities are limited, right? If you're not in the service industry, or my village was a fisherman village, so you, if you don't work in the ocean or, or you don't you don't work as a fisherman. Um, things were a little limited, particularly for me, <laughs> who I was like a literature and movie buff and I, and, and my degrees were all about literature and linguistics. Uh, I felt that's when you start feeling some some limitations and it could even be frustration sometimes, right? There's a lot of a lot of young people in Spain that go through yeah. a similar experience. So um, still, a lot of fun and, and we're very good at having fun and enjoying life and I miss that part of living in, in Spain. Uh, but I think at some point, I I realized that I had to look elsewhere to to keep
0: growing. It's funny. I'm from a small fishing village myself, and yeah. I understand that feeling of limitation or maybe a claustrophobic uh, kind of atmosphere as well. And the, and breaking out of it is always is always an aim for a lot of people. And so when you did decide to break out where how did the how did you kind of navigate towards language or was that the origins of your qualification and into into being an interpreter or translator yeah, I
2: say? yeah so um to be honest, I didn't know what to do with my life when I was like 17, 18 years old. I'm still you know, puzzled at the fact that we're asking young people to choose what they want to do with their lives when they're so young because I was clueless, right? Yeah. But I knew, I knew a few things. I knew I loved culture. I knew I loved books and arts and literature and music. So I, I thought uh, something along those lines would be good for me just because I liked it and I enjoyed it. I was not thinking about professional opportunities at that point. <laughs> um, and, and yeah, you know, like I, I looked at the options and I, I figured out, hey, I, I like English. I listen to a lot of music in English. I'm, I'm, I'm good at English in, in, in high school. So I decided to, to explore the philology field. In Spain, it's called philology. So I did English philology. After I was done with it, I liked it so much. I decided to do Hispanic philology in reality, I just wanted to extend my time in college. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, that was that was how everything started. I always thought I was going to be a teacher, a language teacher, a literature teacher. Um, my family has uh, quite a few public school teachers. Um, so I think that's where I was headed. But a lot of things happened in the way. And, and I started thinking about translation. I really liked the idea of transferring knowledge and experiences from one culture to the other. So I started looking into, uh, you know, um, what happens when you translate a book or a movie, what gets lost in the way, or how do you adapt it to a new culture? I always found it fascinating, right? Um, So little by little, I started to pay more attention to the translation field and not so much linguistics. Yeah, yeah. Uh, at some point, after many random jobs and places, I decided to start a master's in translation and linguistics. Through that, I found a job as an in-house translator in a, in a small agency in my, in my hometown. Great, amazing agency that translates a bunch of movies. Um, and I loved it. And I was like, wow, I love this job. I love what I'm doing. So I'm going to keep exploring after that, I decided to start a PhD in translation in Spain. Like, I didn't have enough education. <laughs> <or anymore. laughs> you know, when, you, when you don't have a job, at least do something with your time, right? Um, and, and through that, th- that was what changed my, my, my trajectory and my life in, in multiple ways. Through that research, uh, in, in doing my PhD and my master's, I had to pick a topic to do my thesis, Mm -hmm. And um, I was, you know, chatting with some friends on a Saturday afternoon in in, in one of my friends' houses. And they were playing video games. And it was a video game in English, GTA, Grand Grand Theft Auto. Yeah, I know it. And somehow I was there and I was, they they play in Spanish, right? But with subtitles. And I was thinking, man, those translations are terrible. They're they're horrible. (laughs) But they were so into the game. And I knew there were so many fans of that game. I was like there you are I'm going to study why translations are so bad for a genre and that is in a, in a in a media that is growing so much as video, right. as much as video games right and through that I found out there's a thing called localization <laughs> <laughs> so it was the Saturday afternoon I went back to my my, my thesis director is like I want to focus on video game translation so I started googling and oh localization what is that about and through that, I found out that there is a school in Monterey, California, that has a master's degree that is all about localization, and I was like fascinated by that. So I started applying for a bunch of scholarships, and and I got a very good scholarship from a Spanish bank, La Caixa, a Catalan bank, hmm. to go to Monterey and get my master's
0: degree. And the rest of his, the rest is history. That's fascinating. <laughs> It's always so interesting to me how people meandered away into our industry. That's it's crazy. never a straight line, and it's always, it's always so, <laughs> so interesting.
1: And, and one common theme that I typically have seen and heard on this show is that people thought they were going to be teachers. Yeah. But it seems to be like a, a big part of, of uh, not just on this podcast, but on our other podcast, Move the World with Words, translators, Sort of went into their lives thinking they would become teachers, and then they ended up uh, doing language translations. It's
0: yeah, pretty fascinating. And, I think it's also, I mean, that teaching element. I think a large part of language managers and project managers and program managers is education as well. You're 100%. educating. You're educating internally. And that, yeah. that never goes away. So maybe there's something in that, actually, Adrian. It's a really good point. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's like an attribute of people in localization
1: is like they like to teach. They like to help. Yeah. You know, maybe there is there is something to that.
0: And you're, you're opening people's minds in lots of different ways, right?
2: Yeah, well, let me, tell you, let me tell you something. When you're a language teacher, and I was a Spanish language teacher in the U.S. and an English language teacher in Spain, you have very tough, very very tough stakeholders to convince about the importance of, of language and localization. That's it. If your students, believe me, it's really hard to convince your students, guys. What you're learning here today is very important for your lives, and those are very, uh, that's a very tough audience. So I think that prefers you to talk to VPs and CEOs and product
0: managers about the importance of languages. I absolutely agree. That's fascinating. So, so you went into that translator world and you stayed there for six, seven, eight years maybe. Um, what was that journey like and how did that prepare you for what you're doing now, for example?
2: Yeah, that's, I, I, I love that question because <clears throat> this may be controversial for some, but I, I do believe um, knowing, knowing what it means to translate and having been a translator, it's an important part of the job for me, you know, because at the end of the day, I know that a lot of the decisions we make end up with a translator. You know, yeah. they are the ones delivering the work in, in, in a lot of the things that we do. So when you think about workflows, automation and, and, and budget and this and that, you have someone sitting somewhere in the world, you know, like that's going to be able, that's going to be delivering the work. And when you were that person, you know how important it is that someone enables you to do a good job and that you set them up for success because you've been on the other end of things, right? So um, those few years translating, they helped me a lot to now have more context about how you do the job, but also to value the craft, the craft of translation, right? And to be respectful of what they do and pay them as as well as i can and and try to find ways to enable them to do a good job and also to understand their limitations you know when it comes to discussions about quality and this and that understanding that sometimes they are in a tough spot to deliver the the quality we're expecting so i would say it was uh it was a very important part of my of my background and my education to become then a local manager
0: it is it a heightened level of empathy for the craft that you that you kind of makes you a better language manager? Is would that would that be it? I think so.
2: In my case, uh, the, the 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 empathy and the respect and admiration for for the craft of translation, yeah. I think it, it does help me to make the right decisions or at least m- make good decisions. Um, because I'm, I'm always thinking about that. Yeah, the back of, yeah, the back of my mind. I have the always thinking about the translators. I, yeah, I would say yes.
1: You, you, you said a few moments ago that you want to do everything you can can to position them to be successful. What does that look like for you? What does that look like in your world?
2: Yeah. So um, I do believe that setting each other up for success is critical when it comes to a vendor and client relationship. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and that's my focus when I work with vendors. I I want to empower them. I don't want to micromanage them. I don't want to um, have just a a one-way conversation. I want to make sure the feedback uh, goes back and forth and there's really open channels of communication. And when we think about technology and when we think about the process, uh, we are not only thinking about what works for us on the client side, what's going to make our lives more comfortable. It's also what's going to allow those folks on the other side to do an amazing job so we don't have to micromanage them. Uh, we can trust them. And at the end of the day, they deliver a quality work. You know. So, so I think the more you empower them, the better results you're going to have. The less people you're going to need to manage vendors because they are already performing well. So, you know, I think it's a win-win situation, but it's not easy to get there. But that's how, how I'm looking at this sort of relationship at the moment.
0: Yeah. When I, when I, look, at your, when I look at your career uh, from when you moved from being a translator into, into, from the, onto the client side, what stands out is your choice of company. Mm-hmm. Uh so to me it stands out quite clearly GoPro, and Netflix and Spotify three companies that are really bringing really cool experiences to society and um is was that a conscious choice by you or what, what was the what, what was the reasoning for 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 joining those those companies
2: Yeah that's a very good very good question and the answer is yes it was a conscious choice uh I I mean, it's, I don't know if I'm lucky or not, but I've, I've always wanted to work for companies that that I like. I like their product, I like their mission, um, I like the brand, and I just think they're cool. You know, like like if I'm gonna if I'm gonna invest my time and energy in a job, and you know, I'm I'm, I'm pretty intense when I work and I and I, and I give it all. Uh, I want to do it for something that I feel proud off you know like and gopro i I love the product but i also love what gopro means for a lot of people which is going outdoors and having fun and and capturing amazing experiences such a cool product right such a cool product incredible this this little tiny super powerful product i i'm 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 a user i still use it and i will always use it I've given <laughs> I've given out hundreds of GoPros in my life to other people, <laughs> and it's amazing when they send you the videos they capture. You know, just bringing it's bringing happiness to people and being able to to capture those super special moments in your life, right? So that was one Netflix. What can I say about Netflix, right? We how many hours have we enjoyed being at home uh, uh, watching Netflix? So yeah. and now Spotify. Uh, music has always been super important in my life and actually my early years in my career i had a few radio shows i played in bands i organized uh, music shows in my city so the the opportunity to work in a company that is all about music and audio now and and podcast as well was like yeah this is the right next step
0: in my career it's it's something i can relate to it's funny how how more important Netflix and certainly Spotify have become in the last 12, 14 months, especially like music to me is, is, is a huge part of my life as well. And we, we even have like dance parties on a Friday night with our friends and kids (laughs) listening to Spotify soundtracks and it's fantastic fun. But Tell me, from a localization perspective, you were you were in Netflix when it was kind of you know really ramping quite aggressively, and now Spotify, I'm sure, is going through similar ramping at an accelerated rate. What does that mean to you from a localization perspective in your world? Yeah, I think uh,
2: I've always been in comp- like I've always been in companies that were facing interesting challenges. That's that's the other element I look at when I decide. Uh, what's the next step in my career? Which is, is this an, an exciting challenge? It's complicated. <laughs> is, is it gonna be uh, uh, fun to, to fix this? And is it gonna, is it gonna have a huge impact? And, and those are the things that I look at. And yeah, in, in all of them, like GoPro, Netflix, and now Spotify, I've uh, witnessed firsthand what it means to launch new territories and new languages. I have to say uh, out of the three, Netflix was the better established already when I joined. I mean, I think I I joined in a very exciting time where, and actually I was focusing on the APAC and India markets. And and I liked that because we were growing those markets and and you could feel the excitement and the opportunities and so many things to figure out. Um, But Spotify was taking it to the next level, right? We just launched 36 new languages, 80 plus markets, and and that to me was a missing piece in in my in my career, which I wanted to be, I wanted to drive like a big piece of the international expansion of a company. And I think Spotify, even though we were very well established globally and, and in a lot of you know key, high priority markets, we've launched very large languages and, and and you know it's been it's been amazing to be able to to witness that firsthand and 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 drive it in 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 many ways. So. From a localization perspective, what it means to me, it's just where you want to be at when that happens. I don't think there is a more exciting time to join or to create a localization program than during an international expansion. So to me, it's it's an opportunity, A, to grow professionally, but also to grow your program because everybody is paying attention to localization and that's the right time to leverage that. And really get all the resources you need and put together a program and a plan, the business is supporting it. Um, and yeah, I think it's it's a great opportunity to, to grow together with the company and playing an important role in that growth.
0: And for, for, for people listening in who are maybe with companies going through a similar accelerated growth, um, was the localization team catching up with the growth of the company or was there forecast in place to allow you to put a foundation and before that growth happened? I'm, i like does that make sense? I mean yeah. were, were you kind of were you were you running after the 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 ambition of the company or were you out in front of it?
1: Um,
2: 50-50, I would say uh, I think obviously. The, the, what, what drives the growth of the team is the international expansion plans right i think I think that's that's what the, the business is thinking about we want to get there it's not like we want to grow the localization team. we want to get there we need to support the localization team to helps us to help us get there right so it wasn't like like so probably we're catching up a little bit. But I think there was a very clear agreement among leadership that we need to support this team in order to deliver uh, this project. Um, It's never easy, though. Like you know, like there's so many priorities and so many things happening. We're all fighting for resources and headcount and whatnot. So um, yeah, I would say that. there was, there was support and we could feel like, you know, we've increased, I've increased my team over a hundred percent in one year. We've increased the number of languages over, I would say 200%. My budget also like like has grown exponentially. So obviously the company is supporting the growth of my team together with the international expansion. But in terms of timing, if you ask me, I wish <laughs> I would have had all that in place six months before we could kick off the project. But who has that? I mean, I mean, who does that, right? Yeah. So I don't think anybody's gonna be unfamiliar with, with my challenges in terms of timing, but at least we're seeing growth and and progress, right? Yeah. In in our craft and our discipline across Spotify. And that makes me happy and I'm, and I'm
1: proud of that. What is the content that you're you're focused on? What are the experiences that you're putting through your translation pipeline?
2: Everything. Everything. Everything that is localized at Spotify. Everything that is meant to be global. Um, marketing campaigns, messaging, CRM, website, customer support, uh, product, any any new product features, UI. Um, these super fun, uh, cross, um, these super fun projects like wrapped your end of the year summary, right? That they they sit somewhere at the intersection between product and marketing. So yeah, we we touch everything, which is a very privileged place to to be at.
1: And when you joined Spotify, was it a centralized process for translating all of those different content types?
2: Uh, for some, for some, to be honest, there was a lot of fragmentation, and 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 that's in in a way Spotify works like that by design, and it allows for a lot of creativity, flexibility. We're very agile, and we don't work with these very rigid structures. But as you know, uh, for a centralized team, that brings up a lot of challenges. So when I joined, there were some processes that were uh, already centralized but there was quite a bit of fragmentation. So a lot of my work during the first year has been about consolidating
0: and centralizing. Fantastic. And so, as you said earlier on, I mean, that that rapid growth brings a set of challenges for sure what's been what's been some of those main ones and how have you navigated some of those main challenges of trying to um you know um put a program in place to handle you know hugely increased levels of volume hugely increased language uh, pairings what what have been the main challenges um
2: this, there are a few obviously when you grow very fast and you're playing catch up a little it's like you're trying to you're trying to um build these amazing processes and and tools and team while you're executing right right, right. so that is hard on the team that is hard on the team because you're dealing with change and you know change is hard for everybody and right. you know a, a, uh, you bring like a new manager, a new vision, 36 languages. We actually launched 38 languages in less than a year. You have uh, Korean and Russian. So everything going on at the same time. I think that
0: deserves a congratulations because I understand how absolutely colossal that is. <laughs> yeah, I feel
1: like it also deserves a, a little reaction in Zoom. There we go. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I think it's a, honestly, what I hear is that it's an unprecedented effort at this scale, 38 languages in less than a year. So trying to do that with a small team, limited resources, um, I think it was, it was hard on the team and, and on myself. But I think greatness doesn't happen when things are comfortable and easy. And sometimes, you know, I hate to say it, but. Greatness doesn't happen from nine to five sometimes, right? Like you, you sometimes need to give that little extra. And, yeah. and when you want to deliver on probably the largest project of your life, uh, it requires a lot of passion and dedication and sacrifice. Yeah. So that is one of the biggest challenges. that you, It's hard to find a balance between the excitement of getting it done, maximizing the resources at hand to make it happen, Being super agile, scrappy, uh, fast, always thinking about quality and and your users as well, all at the same time, it was hard to find a balance between all that and and a healthy balance for the team. That was definitely my biggest challenge, right? I knew that what we were doing was special. I knew it was going to be good for, for us as a team in terms of increasing visibility, credibility, support of the whole business. But it came with, uh, with a lot of sacrifices. Um, and the other one would be infrastructure. You know, uh, Spotify is a large company, like, like I mean, an insane amount of groups of engineers doing great things, but there are so many tools and so, so many repositories where content leaves and things change really quickly, reorgs and whatnot. So, trying to also centralize and consolidate the infrastructure that you need to yeah. be able to scale, right? Because yeah. when we're scaling at such a, such a speed, we needed that infrastructure to support that, that growth, right? Yeah. And that was also like some very ambitious goal, but I think we accomplished it and we're in a, in a better place, but that was also one of the challenges in, uh, infrastructure. How did we tackle it? Really making a case to create uh, groups fully dedicated to localization infrastructure. Right. And not, you can call it internationalization, you can call it tooling, technical support, Um, not side jobs, not people whose side job is like when I'm done with my main responsibility, now I'm going to see if I can fix some of the bugs with the tool. Right. So that was one of the biggest. efforts was very early on to uh, to help leadership understand we need people that own this right and that bring things together and that really make at least the the build the MVP yeah. for us to be able to scale at this speed yeah and the fact that they bought into it was the how we actually uh um uh, Overcome that this this challenge in a, in a way
0: and getting that buy in from internal stakeholders and you know evangelizing what you're doing, um, I guess your teaching skills <laughs> come in handy there. Um, what does that look like? Is is that a you know very much a data driven exercise?
2: There is uh, well, again going back to your initial question, what you're you're catching up as you're building this amazing program. Mm-hmm. to have data, you need to build data pipelines and you need dashboards and you need data scientists. So <laughs> this all came as we were working on it. But I think I, I, I think there is so much data out there. And that was one of the things I did. It's like I don't even need a lot of Spotify data because I know the data is out there. And, and, and you have all these amazing businesses like Facebook and Netflix that they already have that data. And, and we know it's out there. And they've talked about it in conferences, there's reports uh, published, there's a lot of uh, consultancy firms in localization that we all know that they put together yearly reports or or, or a few reports a year that show the impact and the value of localization. So I started gathering a lot of data coming from everywhere. I I decided I'm not going to be constrained by the lack of very specific uh, localization data or the value and impact of localization in the past. Internally, when, when I can go out there and, and use those use cases to, to help people understand why this is important, uh, the good news is that, you know here and there you start seeing people looking at more data, internal data, and now we have better pipelines, and we are starting to have more real-time data that shows the impact of what we do. But it was an exercise of, let's see what resources we have internally, but let's not limit ourselves. And learn from others and get what's out there in the industry and use that to to influence those decisions. To be honest, when you look at the the ROI localization, it's so ridiculously high. If you think about what it costs versus what you spend on a marketing campaign in a country that could be three times what it costs to launch three languages, you're like, this should be a no-brainer. So Yes, there was a lot of teaching, a lot of talking, a lot of meetings, a lot of long days and nights, meeting people and trying to get to the right folks and connecting the dots. You know, when, when you have all these conversations that are great, but then you're like, yes, but I need a decision maker here. I need all these conversations to really materialize in, in, into a decision and into, into the support I need. It's not always successful. I, I haven't been successful at all of them but we've been successful at enough of them to to allow us to make this happen.
1: I think that uh the observation you just shared about ROI on translation could be perhaps the most unique perspective I've ever heard on translation ROI. Specifically how you benchmarked it against other things that companies spend money on, one of them being an advertising or a marketing campaign. I mean a company, the scale of the ones that you've worked for, they're spending a lot of money on advertising yep. uh, and communications. And it, and if you actually do think about the cost of language translation in comparison to some of those other communication programs, it's a fraction of the cost.
2: Yeah, I think, I, I think that's the sort of business conversation you need to have. It's like, if you're not prioritizing this X number of dollars to speak the language of your users in a region that has a hundred million potential users, where are you spending that money that is gonna bring you better results and, 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 a, and a better ROI, right? Um, yeah, those are tough questions that you need to ask. You know, like, like show me something that is gonna be, uh, that is gonna move the needle more than this for this amount of money you know, uh, and comparing it with, with other disciplines that they get maybe more love and more attention just because they're better known and because they're bigger. And yours is like, you're that one team that does that one thing. And sometimes it's not visible enough, but yeah, I agree. We have used a lot of, I've used a lot of those, uh, uh, uh pitches about, Hey, They're spending all this money here. I'm just asking you a fraction of that. And it's gonna be amazing. This is gonna have a business impact that we you're gonna feel it, believe me, right? And that and and the fact that when you were asking about data, well, there is a piece of data that is so easy to use and it should just, you know, kill all conversations, which is where are where is your revenue coming from? (laughs) What are your users? You know. In 10 years, where do you think most of your revenue is going to come from? And where are your users going to, going to leave, And what languages do they speak? And what are they expecting from a global brand? Um, and when you hear the answers, I think that really paves the way for the rest of the conversation.
0: For sure. Maybe that's a good segue into, into my next question. What does the future look like for, for you? And what does the future look like for Spotify Lock Program?
2: Um, For me, (laughs) I mean, for me personally, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, I want to keep doing exciting things at Spotify. I think we are just getting started, to be honest. Um, I want to build a world-class localized experience for our users. Um, uh, so there's, there's a lot of opportunities there. I'm not going to tell you which ones, but there are a lot of them and I'm excited about those. Uh, I think there is so much room for growth for, for my program and the discipline and the craft and developing that love for the craft and that respect for the craft. That is something that I value a lot and, and that I want to, to work on. So I think there's a lot of room for to keep exploring things for me and for my team. Uh, and, and for localization at Spotify, to get deeper, deeper in the user experience. You know, I think we're just uh, um, tapping into some of those opportunities and, yeah, without revealing too much, I think there is a lot that we can do to, to make the product feel closer to our users, wherever they are, and yeah. to provide them with a more personalized experience from a culture and language perspective, let alone content, right? But uh, for my team, uh, for now, I'll just talk about, about culture and, and, and language. and and so I think the team can can continue to explore, to grow, um, to go deeper into localization, do more education, better bringing better tools and technology, getting more data and showing the world that Spotify this is the actual impact on the business, and this data you know proves it very clearly. so yeah there's a there's sort of opportunities for us, and the team the team is like growing. People are growing within the team. Um, we're hiring and we're starting to think about, okay, we're becoming very strong operationally. We actually establish a very strong relationship with our vendors. So we need to continue to think about how do we empower them to do more and to become, a, 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 you know, they are truly an extension of our team, but to become even closer and to bring more value to the table. And, um uh, and for us also to go deeper in that localized, what does it mean to offer a truly localized experience to our users and to further global growth?
1: That's That sounds like a bright future ahead. And, you know, what I can't help but think about is how far you've come. Uh, you know, we started this conversation by talking about where you came from and how you had all of these aspirations and sometimes in interviews like these, we, we might hear someone say, well, if you were to look back at, you know, at your 10 year old self, like, what would you, what would you tell that person to do? But I'm not even going to ask that question because it it seems like you just followed your gut at every point in your life and it's just treated you really well.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that's a, I've been thinking about that lately. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I think it's been, it's all about being curious. I'm very curious, you know, and, and, and I, I'm always, I always want to learn more and keep growing. And what is it like to do this and to live there? And, and I've always been uh, trying to explore my potential, you know? I think there were some points in my life where I was like, "Well, I guess this is it. I'll become a language teacher and <laughs> live here, and and in my in my uh, fishing village, and that's gonna be that's gonna be life." Which honestly would be great. I think that's a great life too. But there was always some some sort of like appetite inside of me to be like, "But what if I do more? Or how much can I do? Or you know, am I good at this? Or how good can I be at this?" Right. So those questions they they they're always there. Sometimes it's a little disturbing. It's like stop. <laughs> I just want to be comfortable for a while, but they they keep uh, they keep showing up. So I guess it's all about exploring, exploring your potential and and accumulating experiences. That that's what drives me to 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 leave uh, a lot of different experiences in different places and continue learning. So in, intellectually, I think I need to be. Uh, challenge often and that makes you, you know, to look for new opportunities, new experiences and yeah, growth mode. <laughs> As we say in Spotify Drive, we, we, we there's one of the, in the culture deck, one of the points is about
1: um, driving your own growth. So I think that's, that's something that I, I can relate to. Well, keep on pushing, Martino. Uh, this has been a fantastic conversation today and it's been really great getting to know you. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you for inviting
0: me and a pleasure talking to both of you. Thanks so much, Martino. It's been an absolute pleasure. And Spotify Lock Program is certainly in, in really, really great hands. Thank you, guys. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.
1: Martino, thank you, thank you, thank you for being an incredible guest here on the Loke Show. That was an a riveting conversation and uh, I, Gavin and I just couldn't thank you enough for sharing some of your time, your expertise, your story with us today. Um, we really appreciate it. If you loved this episode of the Lok Show, it would be an amazing treat if you went on over to your podcast player and gave this episode a five-star review. I know it would make my day and I think it would make Martino's day also. Um, And if you are in the localization industry and would like to be featured on The Log Show, send me an email, logshow at smartling.com. We're actively looking for new guests to have informal conversations about your experience in the industry and to share some of the the things that you do that make you proud or some of the, the tools that you have in place to enable the success that you've had in your career. That's it from me and and Gavin today. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time.